2: Um, hey hi thank you for um, answering my question so my question is um, i have an approved i-140 with the company a which uh, was approved in july of 2020 but company a was acquired in december of 2021 by company b and then the company b applied for an i-140 uh, in april 2022 in, okay. as a successor of interest And now that I-140 has been approved recently, like uh, yesterday it got approved. So typically there is this 180 days to wait, right? But I did not realize that they have applied for my uh, I-140 as a successor of interest and I resigned last week. So because like, I don't know whether they will withdraw my I-140 or not, uh, as it has already been approved. So now I'm changing my job. So will that create any issue with my original I-140 priority date? Uh, At 480
3: or unlimited extension? So it won't affect your ability to port a prior priority date. That mm-hmm. uh, remains um, possible, even if the company withdraws the I-140 approval in less than 180 days. Um, but for the other um, functions of the I-140 approval, it could be affected. Um, because I assume that the company filed it as an amended petition, um, uh-huh. due to the, being a successor in interest. So if the current company does withdraw the I-140 approval, um, you, can't necess- you can't really use, you know, company A's I-140 approval, you know, because even though the company A's I-140 approval has been approved more than 180 days at this point, it was essentially converted into the company B approval by the successor in interest filing. And so that does need to remain approved for 180 days before you can use it for extensions beyond the sixth year or um, the H4 EAD. Um, If you have any prior I-140 approvals from like a company previous to company A, no you don't? Okay. Uh, Then yeah, then you'll kind of need to hope that company B does not withdraw it within the six months, hopefully. Um, or have so your new company um, you know, start the process and hopefully get an I-140 before you need to file an H-1B extension.
2: Got it. Okay. And with regards to uh, the 180 days, does that date start from the date of filing? Uh, from the, the date
3: amendment? of the I-140 approval. So the approval date on the approval notice.
2: Even for the amendment is the same thing or uh, yeah. I thought, okay, got it,
3: okay. thank you. Sure, next question. Sorry, Sriti. can you repeat the
1: name? Uh, Buddy.
4: Yeah, hi. Uh, Thanks for your time. So my priority date is December 2013, and I downgraded to EB3, and EB3, I want 140 is still pending. I tried to do premium processing, but uh, for whatever reason, it got denied twice. Uh, And I have got EAD and AP approved, for EB-3 and I also refiled in EB-2 earlier this year and got EAD without AP. My EB-2 I-140 is approved. So my question is like, can I travel on EB-3 advance for all while I-140 is spending, EB-3 I-140 is spending, uh, or can I expedite EB-2 advance for all?
3: So you haven't left the company, right? You haven't um, moved to a different company?
4: Yeah, I'm in the same company. Okay. So.
3: Um, yeah, so you can use the advanced parole from the EB-3 filing, even if the I-140 is still pending. The I-140 doesn't need to be, the EB-3 I-140 does not need to be approved in order for you to use that advanced parole card. But for some, whatever reason, if that EB-3 I-140 were to get denied for some reason, then that advanced parole would become invalid since it was based on that. I-140. Yeah, so you can use that advanced parole. And uh, as far as being able to keep your options open for the EB-2, that should be fine too. Rawl has been recommending that people use the EAD and AP from the EB-3 application if they have it. um, And it should still preserve your ability to be in the EB-2 category later, basically through a process of Um, if needed, if you need to get back into H-1B status in order to take advantage of the EB-2 um, category, then uh, there is a way to do that later by either by automatic revalidation or by having your company file another H-1B extension later.
4: Okay. And other question is like uh, once uh, my I-140 is approved, like after premium processing, I will try premium processing again for EB-3. Uh, do I need to wait 180 days, uh, like, means not for EB-2, but for EB-3, if I change the company, uh, if I don't wait 180 days, will my EB-3, I4, EB-3, I-485 will get affected if they withdraw the I-140? No, it
3: shouldn't be affected because the rule for job portability under AC21 is it has to be 180 days from the time the I-485 has been pending, not 180 days from I-140 approval. So those are kind of two separate things. The prior question about 180 days for the I-140 being approved, that's in order to use that I-140 for the purpose of extending your H-1B or um, in support of an H-4E80 application. For purposes of changing employers under AC21, it just needs to be 180 days from the time the I-485 application has been filed. And it's been well beyond that if you file in yeah, 2020. It's more than a year. Yeah, mm-hmm. we oh, okay. we just usually recommend that the I-140 be approved before you make that change to a new employer. In case the company withdraws that pending I-140, it could cause the I-485 to fall through. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, okay. so that's
3: why we recommend getting the I-140 approved um, before you change over, but then you don't you don't need to wait 180 days from that I-140 approval.
4: Okay. okay, and it should not have any effect on EB-2, right? That is completely separate Or because EB-2 was filed in April and it's not six yeah. months for the- You filed EB2 it
3: as afterwards. a completely separate I-485, right? Yeah,
4: it's a refile yeah. 485. Yeah, it so, won't be in that. But I should wait 180 days for EB-2 uh i-485 to be filed so that even if they will that would be
3: safest yes yeah in order to be able to use the i-485 um in eb2 later if needed
4: so that will be date of filing when they will uh, from the
3: i-485 filing date from the receipt date on the i-485 receipt notice so probably sometime in october is when that will be reached okay uh next question swati
5: Hello, good afternoon. Hi. Thanks for giving me this opportunity. And my question is my priority date is on is August 24 and case transfer to the field of visa on August uh, 31st. Today, my status updated online and it says that there is some RFE. So I'm planning to travel to India next month. The question is, should I wait until we respond to the RFE or I can travel? Sorry, what did you say? Your priority date is
1: August twenty fourteen. Twenty
3: fourteen. Okay, and the case status just updated today to say that an RFE is issued. Yes, on the I four eight five case number, right? right. No. Okay. Uh, let's see. I mean, yeah. So the unfortunate thing is that you know, starting as you're probably aware, starting next month, the dates are retrogressed. And so, and even this month, they won't be able to approve any I-485s that are not already approved, basically. Um, So for the RFE, that is a bit strange that they would send an RFE right now for an I-485 that they can't approve this month. Um, I would maybe wait and see what the RFE is asking about before departing and then, you know, make a decision once you get the RFE and see what they're asking about. If they're asking for a medical exam, which I don't know why they would really be asking for that now, since it seems like all USCIS offices are aware that they have run out of green cards for this year, they can't issue any. Um, But if it's just asking for a medical exam, then I would say that should be fine to just respond to it and then travel using your advanced parole. Um, That won't have any effect, I mean, it'll still be, you know a long time before the actual approval um but if it is something more serious in the Rfe you may want to review that and um, make a decision at that point before leaving the country potentially
5: okay okay so we have applied this 485 for my kid as well uh, she's 13 year old so can I assume that my child age is locked now With why I'm asking is uh, we submitted a uh, uh, first 485 year for the eb3 and we down uh, we down we downgraded and upgraded to eb2 again so interfiled from eb3 to eb2 so can i assume my child eh is logged now it should be
3: if you were able to interfile the eb2 at a mm-hmm. time when the priority date was current according to the final action date Um, And if they Mm -hmm. did successfully move it to the EB2 category, then that does lock in your child's age, even Mm -hmm. if the party date retrogresses like it will next month. Okay.
6: Okay, Okay. next question. Yeah, hi, Uh, thanks for conducting it. So I have a question. So I have a Dropbox appointment on October 4th uh, in India. So. My uh, extension got approved uh, in August 30th, but I have an amendment open. So the amendment was filed uh, on May 12th, and that is for work location. So I'm planning to travel on September 29th. So will there be any problem in the visa stamping and the, at the port of entry if the amendment is in progress?
3: What is the amendment for? Is it a change in work location?
6: yeah it is basically additional work location that is for client location and my home address and uh, my company address and the extension was filed for my company address and my home address so extension got approved in on premium on august 30th but the amendment is in regular processing i got a rfe and the company submitted the rfe just two days back and the the amendment was filed on may 12th 2022 okay.
3: Uh so the appointment that you made at the consulate it's based on the case number of the approved extension right not the amendment
6: so the appointment i made uh, is basically ds160 right so i didn't uh, i i think i have not made any reference to the i797 right so that time it was in progress
3: I think you would have needed to enter the case number, right? Like WAC followed by the nine digits.
6: Yeah, I already have an uh, old one, which is valid till 2023. So the new one is valid till 2026.
3: Okay, so if you're going for stamping, you should be going for stamping ideally on the most recent application that applies to your situation, because the point of the consular appointment is for the officer to verify that your current job conditions match with what's in the most recent approved petition, which it sounds like would be the amendment that's filed in May, but which is still pending. So, I mean, it's Getting pretty close now, I don't know if you have enough time, but I would usually in this situation recommend that you upgrade the pending amendment to premium processing, try to get it approved before the appointment. And then there is a way that you can go into the DS-160 and ask for it to be revised with the most re- with a different petition case number. So you yeah. don't have to, yeah.
6: yeah. My company is not uh, kind of doing premium. Uh, So can I withdraw the uh, amendment request if I want to make trouble?
3: You mean withdraw the entire amendment petition? Um, Yeah. You would not be able to do that independently. That's also only something the company could do. Also, if your current employment terms are those that are listed in the amendment petition, I wouldn't recommend withdrawing it because the consulate is going to be looking to see that your current employment terms match an approved petition. I would say that you can offer to pay the premium processing fee yourself if the company is concerned about the cost, because the premium processing fee is the only part of the H-1B fee that can be paid by you personally, because otherwise, you may end up in a situation where you get a 221G at the consulate or you would need to just reschedule an appointment, which who knows how long that will take Um, since appointments now are usually several months away at most consulates. So
6: So it's not recommended to travel with the extension uh, petition, right?
3: I don't know if it will be okay or not. Um, If the consulate is not aware that you have an amendment pending, then maybe it will be fine. And if they don't ask that many questions about your current work location, maybe it will be fine. I don't recommend... So mine
6: is uh, a Dropbox. There's no interview. So it's a Dropbox.
3: I would, it might be fine, um, but the safest route would be to apply for the visa stamp based on the amendment petition, okay?
6: Okay. Okay, good.
1: Next question. Uh Hi, uh, I'm on H4 and my husband's H1 max out date is on March 2023. But I had a preterm baby born at 23 weeks, uh, and he's five months old now, still in hospital, and we are not sure about the discharge date. So he might be needing medical assistance for a long time. So I would like to know: is there any possibility to extend our stay for my son? Uh, We can get medical assistance letter from the hospital also. So I just wanted to know: is there any possibility to extend our stay here? Is it a situation
3: where? Like, there's a perm in process for your husband, but
1: it just... Uh, yeah, like, yes. Okay. his perm is filed uh, on July 2022.
3: July, okay. It, and your uh, max out is in March. There is a chance that it could go through in time with enough time to get the I-140 approved and file a H-1B extension before... Uh-huh. March, um, it will be cutting it close. Uh, perm processing times are about seven and a half months right now. Okay. So wow. um, it, they definitely would need to premium process the I-140, but mm-hmm. it seems like there may be enough time to get the I-140 approved before you file your H-1B and H-4 extensions. That would be the best case scenario. If okay it's a situation where the PERM ends up taking longer, there's an audit or if processing times just keep increasing and it's not possible to file for the H1B extension before mm-hmm. your current I-94 expires. Um, I mean, usually in that situation, we recommend that people you know, depart to their home country or change to some other status like H4 or F1 while they're waiting. In your situation, um, since you do have a child that is, um, you know, requires medical, attention, obviously cannot travel, that might be a situation where if needed, you and your husband as kind of a last uh, resort, if needed, um, can apply for a change of status from H to B2 for the purpose of your child's medical care. And, you know, definitely document the um, letters from doctors, all of everything else. And um, usually if there is a clear you know, medical reason than, you know, a humanitarian reason, then I think there's a pretty good chance that UCS would grant it. But um, definitely the, you know, first option would be to just try to get the I-140 approval to apply for your H1 and H4 extensions on time.
1: Okay so the uh, so from what you're saying like the only option would be like i140 approval but in the worst case scenario like in case if it goes to audit the only option we will be having will be converting h4 to b2 am i right i would say so yeah and
3: um okay. if it is for a medical reason then generally we do not recommend changing from h to a b status um for the purpose of, uh, you know, the six-year max out. Usually we do not recommend that, but because there is a medical reason in the situation, um, that probably would be um, a situation where you could try that.
1: Okay. Uh, I just wanted to know, like, how long it will take, like, in case, like, we are waiting till uh, Jan 2023, 20, and still that time, we didn't get any uh, response for the PERM or I, PERM approval? Or- Technically,
3: you can file the I-539 application um, up until your current I-94 expiration date. So, Uh um, and it can be filed online. So if needed, you just need to make sure that it's filed before your I-94 expires. So if needed, you could file it even in March if it's looks like it will take that long to kind of see whether the H1 extension will be possible.
1: Okay, and uh, uh, just one thing like- Sorry, uh, I think we have to move on, sorry.
3: Okay, okay. Uh,
1: Next question.
5: Hi, um, good afternoon. So I have been um, living in the U.S. since I was eight years old. I've studied here since third grade and when I turned 21 I aged out and I had to switch to a student visa and I'm currently in medical school on a student visa and I plan on going back uh, traveling to India this summer to visit my grandparents and when I come back I'll have to get my F1 visa stamped Um, and now I know that the F1 visa is a non-immigrant visa, and given that I've lived here most of my life, and my parents um, recently got their green card, and they plan on applying for an F2B visa for me, would all of this put my F1 stamping at a risk if I go to India? Um, and do you see any? Do you foresee any problems with me traveling to India this summer?
3: Yes, I would actually recommend against international travel right now. Um, I mean, in general. Um, for you know, young adults in your situation who had to move over to F-1 due to aging out. Just in general, that is a difficult um, F-1 visa application at the consulate, because it, just like you said, it's a non-immigrant visa, which means that at the consulate, they're required to make the determination that they don't think you have the intention of staying in the U.S. permanently. You have to basically prove that, you know, your ties to your home country, which is difficult in your situation because you've lived here most of your life, your parents are here and are green card holders. Um, so that on its own is going to make it a difficult visa application at the consulate. Adding to that, um, definitely, I if you do decide to try to apply for the F-1 visa at the consulate, anyway i would definitely do so before your parents file the i130 petition for you once there's an i130 petition filed on your behalf that is basically your statement of immigrant intent your your statement that you intend to stay in the us permanently that will definitely result in an f1 visa denial um so I would generally recommend against trying the F1 visa. We have we do know people have been successful in doing it, um, people in your situation, but it's just uh it depends on the officer. It depends on you know the strength of what documents you can show of your ties to your home country. Um it's there's a lot of variables. And so just in general, we I tend to lean towards just continuing on F1 and in the US until you can change over to H1B or something, um, or get your green card through um, your parents' petition, which would you know allow you to travel without having to go through an F1 interview at the consulate. I know that's difficult because you know that could still also be years away. Um, but in general that would kind of be my advice.
5: Um, do you have any like solutions to overcome this if I really want
3: to go? Unfortunately, there aren't really any great solutions because kind of the fact pattern as it is can't really be changed, you know, the fact that you grew up here, that your parents recently became green card holders, um, all of, you know, unless you have some kind of compelling reason that you can show that would tie you to India, like property in your own name or something like that. Um, Yeah, there aren't really good solutions, unfortunately.
1: Okay,
7: next question. Hey, thanks for giving the opportunity to talk. Um, Mm -hmm. My situation is related to I-485. My EB2 I-140 was with company A and I moved to Company B in 2018. Uh, After that, back in 2021, my date became current and the previous employer A filed my 485 and 485J. Now Mm -hmm. I actually have a full-time offer through Company C. They are willing to sponsor H1 for me. Uh, But recently after the dates uh, retrogressed this month, I got a, a update on the case that it will be scheduled for an interview that is getting ready for to to be scheduled for an interview so at this time should i accept that full-time offer and move to company c or should i move to company a on a h1 or on or on EAD just to make my case more clear you know so your case interview.
3: status your case status just recently updated like in that's the past right Yes, yeah, just one week
7: back oh not even that a week
3: yeah, that is also a bit surprising because, um yeah, My
7: priority is still current, it's 2011.
3: Oh, okay, I see. Um, well, so it'll be current next month, but um, maybe they're interviewing you with the intention of approving you next month then. Um, they, even if you go to the interview this month, they still won't be able to approve anything if you if your interview is scheduled for September. It's, yeah, it's scheduled.
7: scheduled it, They're saying it is going to be scheduled. Okay. But so maybe it will be
3: scheduled in October. If okay. that's the case, um, so technically, the I four eight five is based on a job offer. You don't have to currently be working for Employer A, or you know, need necessarily need to switch over to Employer A before the interview. It might be stronger that way, but as long as employer A is going to still provide you a recently dated letter confirming their continued offer of a position for you, the one that was described in the I-140 petition, technically that is all you need for the, um, yeah, for the I-45 to be approved as a genuine job offer from the I-140 petitioner. Um, Whether you want to hold off on switching to employer C Um, that's kind of up to you. It may, you know, the timing, um, you may want to wait until the interview is scheduled and see how far out it is compared to, you know, what your um, expected onboarding was with employer C and maybe make a decision based on that. If it seems like you can postpone joining until after you get the green card. Um, because if your priority date is current at the time that you go in for the interview and everything goes pretty smoothly, usually you'll re- receive the green card within you know a week or so of the final interview if everything checks out and the priority date is still current at that time. So that's kind of yeah. up to you. Um,
7: okay, um, employer C has to wait. Carter but the date, uh, how how long does it take to schedule this usually? I would After say this.
3: if the case status updated from the time that is updated, you'll usually receive the interview notice usually in like seven to 10 days. And the interview is usually scheduled sometime in the next month, I would say. So maybe it'll be sometime in early October.
7: Yeah, the letter from employer, uh, the old employer, previous employer A, should it show the salary or anything? Because it's been 10 years, right? The laborers uh, would show a different pay. and They all. could
3: just say that they are continuing to offer you the position described in the approved I-140 petition. Um, if they do want to include a salary, then we usually recommend matching it to what's in the I-140 petition. Or if it's a bit higher, then that has generally been fine with USCIS because they tend to understand that the, um, position will, you know, progress from the time the labor was filed over, you know, 10 years ago. Um, it definitely would, be they ask,
7: would they ask a question that why are you going to a job which is offering less than what you make? Is there, is there a possibility for that kind of question?
3: So it's just based on the job offer, not, you know, not necessarily what, I mean, yeah, they could ask it, but, um, I mean, it's, it's not really a basis for the I 45 being approved or not.
7: Okay, all right. Thank you.
3: Sure.
1: Next question. One One Sorry,
3: you're still muted. Hello? Oh, I was saying Kunam is still I, muted. Um, I Shruti,
1: think
8: hello. Hi, uh, thanks for your time. So, so in October 2020, my EB2 was amended downgraded to EB3. Uh, okay. And the EB3 got approved. Mm. And uh, <clears throat> but it was an amendment, not a new EB2. Okay. And uh, recently, last month, I filed for the new EB2 uh, premium processing. And on August 24th, we got an RFE, but we have not received the, the RFE notice here. And the lawyers have put an a uh, service request to get the copy of RFE uh, and asking to wait. So usually for premium processing, when it comes and is there anything I can do to, to expedite it, also, uh, also, is there any chance of EB2 getting rejected as it was amended to EB3 at the first place? Uh,
3: it shouldn't really be at any risk of being denied just because it was amended previously. Um, my guess is that the RFE is on the ability to pay issue. That's kind of the most common issue that we see in um, the RFEs on I-140s based on a labor certification from several years ago. Basically, the company is required, um, even if they're filing the I-140 this year, they're required to show that they have the financial ability to pay you the proffered wage from the priority date until now. Um, so we do see those RFEs for a lot of the you know, I-140s filed based on an older labor certification. Um, So if that is what the RFE is asking about, it'll mostly be on the company side. There isn't too much you can do to um, strengthen it. It will really depend on, I mean, you'll have to provide your W-2s probably each year from the priority date until now um, and your recent pay stubs. But from there, it will mostly depend on the company's tax returns and other financial documents.
8: Yeah, the, the problem is like we are not able to get the RFE notice itself. And the last, time, so what we can do to get the RFE notice itself? Yeah, um,
3: probably it. pretty much if it was in premium processing, right. then emailing the premium processing unit is usually the best way. I assume your attorney already did that, hopefully.
8: Um, the, the, we, the
3: service request, they did. yes. Yeah. Well, not a service request necessarily, because a service request, an e-request is the online e-request system, that can be very slow. If your attorney has not done so already, they should email the premium processing unit directly where your petition is filed. So oh. each service center has its own premium processing email ID. Um, so the, do you know if it's at Nebraska or Texas? your I-140.
8: It's
3: Yeah, Nebraska has um, its own premium processing email ID. You can't contact them directly, unfortunately, because for the I-140, it has to be the company or the attorney, but um, it's a email ID, something like nsc processing at dhs.gov, something like that. Your attorney should be aware of it, And if they haven't already, they should email the premium processing unit directly with your case number and saying that, you know, the website shows that an RFE was issued on this date. We have not received it yet. The premium processing unit should be able to email your attorney directly a copy of the RFE um, without you having to wait for it to arrive in the mail. I see. Thank you. Sure. Um, I can take one more question, Shruti. Sure.
9: Hi, thank you very much for taking the calls.
3: Sure.
9: Yes, so I have uh, submitted the 485 for myself and my wife. Uh, um, This was uh, April 14th, 2022. We got uh, an RFE now. So we had an interview that happened like a month ago, August 31st. And... uh, There's an RFE, the RFE says maintenance of status and proof of work. It is asking for all the H1s previously. And then they're specifically asking for a H1B that was uh, filed for this current job. So I've been working for the same employer. They have everything related to job and everything that they're asking is like uh, proving whether I worked or it's like too many details from March 18th, 2019 is what they're asking in detail, what my work is and uh, maintenance status and proof of work is what they're asking in RFE.
3: Okay. Is there anything unusual from what you're aware of about your 2019 status until now? Were there any notices that you revoke?
9: So I'll ten, yeah. So there was to 2019, I think I went to India and came back. Uh, but uh, when I, before I went to India, that the project ended in Feb sometime. The project ended so and i went to india on a vacation and then the new project was supposed to start in a couple of months it delayed for one more month so i have a contractual relationship with my employer also so that's why i think they filed in and i started May, May first week i think i started
3: okay well um you know as long as you can provide all the documents that the rfp is asking for you know all the I-797 approval notices and proof of your proof of your maintenance of status when you're in H-1B status is basically proof that the company was paying you, according to the LCA, you know, for the entire time that you were on an H-1B with them. So if you have your W-2s, pay statements. Um, so, so they're specifically saying
9: we don't want like your pay statements and income salary statements. They want much deeper is what they like. The work schedules, all that. I don't yeah, I would say
3: I mean. you probably will need to consult with an attorney about the therapy because it sounds like there is something that USCIS is, um, probably, is yeah. aware of or something that they think is an issue that they are trying to get at and it will probably take a much closer review of... The H-1B petition that was in effect at that time in 2019, looking at exactly what project was listed, what the work location was, you know, any contractual um, situations like the vendor agreements, that kind of thing. You'll probably have to review all that in more detail and see if there's something unusual that USCIS is getting at, or if everything was fine, then just you know, provide everything to USCIS to show that you were working properly in H one B. So
9: standard. already, my employer has an attorney; they're looking into it. But I want like a second opinion, so I would want to consult with you guys on this. So
3: okay, yeah. So um, for you or anyone else on the call, our office um, has consultations um, available with all our attorneys. Um, If you go to our website, rnlawgroup.com, there is an icon for um, consultations that will take you to a page that you can um, see all the attorneys and then um, schedule uh, an appointment and um, just make sure to upload a copy of the RFE um, in the appointment website and any relevant documents so that, um, you know, if you have, for example, all the documents gathered, that your attorney intends to use in the RFP response, it might be best to schedule the consultation once you have all that gathered, so that, you know, the attorney that you schedule the consultation with can look over it.
9: Okay. Thank you very okay. much.
3: Sure. Um, oh, yeah. And we've put that um, link in the chat also. Um, okay. Sorry. We'll have to end the conference here for today. Um, the next one should be on Monday at 3.30. Thank you.